Welcome back to one of these years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, a bunch of other spots. Thanks to everyone who's rated and reviewed and subscribed and everything so far. Make sure you swing over to theathletic.com and check out the subscription deals we have going on there, too. Um, we're not going to talk a whole lot about what happened in week 15, <laughs> uh, at least until the, uh, or well, the yeah, punt right. at the end. But, uh, you know, the game, uh, Matthew Stafford, uh, gutsy performance. The offense was pretty good in spots. The defense was overmatched and terrible. And mm-hmm. so nothing we haven't seen before. But uh, the big news, again, that fake punt in the fourth quarter, uh, Lions didn't pick it up. I guess it looked like they might have. I don't know if we're yeah. having this conversation right now. If they did, it's a good but, question. Uh, uh, ran the fake punt. Daryl Bevel says he uh, didn't know they were going to do it, and because of that, Braden Coombs is out. Uh, I don't know, Nick. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's there's a lot to unpack here. So, uh, do you believe Bevel? Do you think Coombs had? I don't know. Where Where do you stand on all this? Um, I I don't know. I mean, like I think that for me. You know, it sounds like certainly there was an issue uh, between the two, you know, either in the moment, uh, something maybe that had been bubbling, perhaps, um, you know, and, and that's something that I know Daryl Bevel was asked about yesterday and didn't really give an answer. You know, is this the first time anything, you know, sort of sideways has happened here? Or has this been a theme? You know, I know, I know we heard you know, from the organization that, you know, culture fit was a phrase that was being tossed around and, and Bevel didn't want to put that, his name on that one. So I don't know. It, it sure seems to me that, you know, we're getting again, sort of one version of a story from Daryl Bevel and then another version of the story from the organization. And then whatever Braden Coombs' story is, will be his story to tell whenever he decides to tell it. But bottom line is the Lions just let an interim head coach, suggest the firing of a very young and very well thought of special teams coordinator in a situation where, I mean, Chris, I don't know. Do we think Daryl Bevel's a realistic candidate for the head coaching job? He's been told he has been. Do do we think the Lions think he is, or are they just saying this? Like, yesterday was weird, man. Like, that's the only... It was weird, yes. (laughs) You can't can't call, and let me just say this right up front, like, to all the people that were replying yesterday on Twitter... No, you can't, if you're a, a, an assistant football coach, defy the head coach on the field in a game. That's fireable, right? I think we would all agree with that. You can't do that. However, like, the way that this was all sort of hashed out and tried to, and the, the way they tried to explain it was, like, very weird and awkward and sort of, to me, indicative of the problems that we've talked about for months in that this organization is sort of operating without anyone uh, at the wheel it seems at times or if they are at the wheel they're not fully capable of steering it and that's concerning and maybe we're overreading it but that's it's a weird day I think that's the the best way to put it I guess overall yeah and like I said there's a lot uh kind of a lot to unpack here I I, I agree with you I mean if 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 Combs just called that play on his own went rogue was the phrase that I got from uh, team source uh like you said certainly that's fireable if it Mm -hmm. was uh, some sort of miscommunication uh, that is probably grounds for some sort of <laughs> repercussions yeah, right. too, as Bevel said, because uh, if you're not sure that's uh, if you got well. the go ahead yeah. and you do it anyway, you know, that's, that's probably on, on you too. So 
Um, Certainly, Daryl Bevel, as the head coach, had some grounds here. And I think the, you know, to your question about whether or not he's a real candidate or not, I do think that they'll interview him formally Uh at the end of the year. I don't know that he's really a candidate, but he, as he's said all along, is the head coach now. And they're letting him operate as the head coach now. And that includes everything like this, where... Mm. But again, that's where it gets weird because it sort of includes everything like this, you know, and and this is where, as you mentioned, there was sort of this disconnect between, you know, I talked to a team source right after they announced this news uh, yesterday on uh, Monday morning uh, and got those those sort of buzzwords you're talking about, you know, th- that he went rogue, that this wasn't a cultural fit. They, I was told that this is something that had been brewing for weeks, uh, yeah. which, again, that that timeline to me is a I don't know that there was anything to my knowledge there wasn't anything going on between Matt Patricia and Braden Combs so right. is weeks since like Daryl Bevel took over and they started butting heads um yeah yeah and and then like you said yeah I uh Bevel was asked multiple times whether or not there'd been something before this whether there were cultural issues he wouldn't go into it he really just kept pointing back to that fake punt so really in my mind one of two things happened here with how this message was delivered. Either uh, Bevel went to everyone in the organization and said, this is a cultural, culturally, this is a nightmare. This isn't mm-hmm. working. He was insubordinate. We've got to get rid of him. And then he said, "I, you can tell him that I, it was my decision, but if you guys could just cover me on everything else, like I don't want to yeah. deal with all the, you know, I don't want to deal with a million questions about mm-hmm. the culture and our history together and all that. I'll just say, I'll tell them it was because of the decision. That's one option that the, mm-hmm. the team just sort of laid down some cover for him. The other worse option is that <laughs> he said this, deci- what he did Sunday is inexcusable. I can't have it on my staff. We got to get rid of him. And Rod Wood or someone tacked on the rest of yeah, this yeah and i don't know i don't know where it falls yes that's a great question because it's we we're getting these buzzwords now okay like about we're, we're hearing a lot about culture which is never you know which is never a good sign for where your football pro or team or program or whatever is in when we're hearing <laughs> right the word culture being said uh 72 times in a week but that's where we're at with the lights obviously and it's one of these things where I kind of looked at it on its head and was like, well, you know, there, we don't know exactly what happened. And that's sort of, the for our perspective, that's, you know, just sort of how it's going to live. I mean, the people that really know what happened are Daryl Bevel and Brayden Coombs, I mean, to be quite honest. And their version of events, you know, maybe, it, maybe it'll differ, maybe it won't, I don't know. But at the end of the day, that's the scenario. So it's difficult to sort of say, well, you should have done this or you should have done that. But the question that you have here is, you know, this is a guy, again, like th- this isn't somebody who is just a whatever. Braden Coombs is pretty pretty well liked in the NFL. I don't, Chris, I don't think Braden Coombs is going to have to, going to have to uh, work real hard to get a job the, no. the next time. I, I Maybe. We'll see. We'll see how this is, we'll see how this sort of hangs there for him. Um or if, you know, teams are just like, whatever, uh, we don't care. If you were being aggressive uh, in a situation where the team was floundering and whatever else, like, okay. But if everybody on the team, if the players liked you and, you know, we can find other people. I, I just, again, he, he has a lot of people in the NFL that like him a lot. And I don't think it's going to, 
be a situation where he has to wait really long for a job. And that's going to look weird, maybe, <laughs> for the Lions, I guess. And that's sort of the thing that I wondered, right? Where it's like, okay, yes, this is a horrible, this is a bad thing. You can't have it on your staff, but you're not the head coach long term. And we can't have you making long term decisions. Uh, right uh, for the for the future of the franchise. Nor did Daryl Bevel claim that that was the case. So in that sense, now I ask: If you're Chris Spielman or Rod Wood, did you make the determination that there's no reason to work this out with someone like Braden Coombs because you don't you know don't care enough and you just think okay whatever let's just keep it moving? Or you decided you know against all that and said we have to lay the law down here and you can't, you got to make an example out of him right now and. You know, I don't know. That's why it, it might have been that. Because it could have been be, that. <laughs> it could be that where it's like, you know, we do think highly of him, but, you know, we're not going to be the franchise that just has this stuff happen anymore. And I do wonder about that, you know, where it's like, if maybe that's a Rod Wood saying, or Sheila, you know, saying like, whatever, we're just not doing this, which there's been too many cases over the years of stupid stuff like this happening on our team and it doesn't happen anywhere else. We're not doing it. He did it. He's fired. Maybe that's what happened, you know, and that's. You know, as I as I sort of tried to weigh it all out in my head yesterday, it was like you know, like you said, Chris. There's a couple of options on the table here. None of them are really like smooth, but you know, it's gonna. I, I got to think that Braden Coombs is gonna bounce back pretty quickly here, and the Lions might have just sort of let go of a coach that could have a really bright future, um, and he probably won't have that here ever. So I mean, in that case, it's it's a little tricky, but you know, is what it is, I suppose. Yeah, and I think that that again, I as we've said, if this is a case where a coordinator went rogue in a, I guess, mm-hmm. sort of a key moment of the game, and it backfired in his face. And you know, Bevel's. I, I I told you I was trying to pull up the camera, like the TV shots of it, to see if Bevel was like even looking at the moment, yeah. or if he was talking to Stafford or whatever. Um, if that's if that's actually what happened, certainly I can understand the decision. And I think to your point, if you're going to hire Chris Spielman and he's going to come in here and start immediately preaching culture and everything like that. You know, we've got to fix the culture, right. which we just heard a lot from Matt Patricia. This presumably is a different type of culture. Fix I would think so. Yeah. What we got from Matt Patricia. But if you're going to say that, uh, then yeah, maybe you do have to put your foot down here. Bevel said that and I was trying to find the exact quote and I can't find it as we're talking here, but you know, it was something like that. If I keep telling the coaches, if we're going to say this, say these things, we've got yeah. to follow up. We've got to practice it. And so I can buy all that. I Again, to me, I don't think the decision itself is is as, mo- as, as problematic as sort of how these decisions are happening. And mm-hmm. that's something we've talked yes. about. Yes, yes, uh, 100%. Like Daryl Bevel is probably not going to be – I mean, maybe you bring him back as offensive coordinator, but he's probably not going to be your head coach beyond – Yeah two Sundays from now. That's the end of his right. his interim run. Uh, we don't know. I mean, I don't, at least. I haven't seen it reported elsewhere. I tried to find out if Chris Spielman was even consulted at all in this decision. <laughs> yes, uh, that's a good question. I, I reached out to him. I didn't hear back. Gerald Beva was asked. He said he didn't know. Uh, Rod Wood hasn't spoken publicly about this. Sheila uh, Ford Hamp hasn't spoken publicly about this. Those are the people who would tell us. Yeah. Uh, and so we don't know. And if he wasn't, that's a huge problem in my mind because this right. is exactly the type of thing you hired him to look in on. So I think that there's still 
some big questions in my mind about just sort of how this process unfolded that haven't been answered yet and that maybe are problematic moving forward. I mean, that yeah. was part of what I mentioned in what I wrote off yesterday's events is that this is... I mean, the Lions are sort of in, Bevel calls this an audition period for him, but the Lions are sort of showcasing themselves here too because you have all these GMs and head coach candidates looking at your organization and saying, well, how's this going to run? How is this going to be when I'm in there? You know, what's the chain of command going to be? How much, you know, autonomy am I going to have? And to have something like this kind of muddy the waters again, I don't know. I don't think it looks great right now. Yeah, and I, I had a hard time with this yesterday, but and I, so because what day did Spielman get hired officially? Right, like what day was that last week? It was midweek, uh, right? Yeah, it was like, like middle of the week, Wednesday, Tuesday. Right. Yeah. So he had just started, and you know, I don't even know if he's officially on board yet or moved I don't in. Think or he's in the building. I mean, I, I don't think that, he's yeah. in Allen Park yet. But what I would have liked to have heard, and this is what I thought about right away, was. When we got Daryl Bevel on the Zoom call and, you know, you're starting to ask him about all this. And he said, you know, I called Rod and we started talking. Uh, you know, I told him about all this. And which is, you know, probably been chain of command this whole time. And maybe it still is because Spielman is still in transition. But what I would have liked to have heard was not, I don't know if Chris Spielman was involved in this. <laughs> I would right. have preferred to have heard Daryl Bevel say, you know, some bullshit happened on the sideline. And I called Chris Spielman. Who knows what knows about <laughs> right. how football right. operates? You know what I mean. And we talked about it, and he said, "This can't stand. I don't care how good Braden Coop." That's what I think people needed to hear yesterday. Not, you know, anonymous whatever about culture and this that. No, I think that what people needed to hear from the Lions side of things to get a sense, because this is what you're dealing with, and this is what they're constantly. De- no one trusts them. People don't trust the public, the fans, they don't trust them. So when, you know what I mean? Like, so fair or fair or not, right or wrong, they, nobody trusts what they say. And And that's not a knock on Daryl Bevel. No, it's not a knock on Daryl Bevel. It's not even necessarily a knock on Rod Wood. It just is what it is. Or Sheila Ford Hamp. She's pretty new in this too. It just is what it is. No one trusts you based on, you know, I don't know, 70 years of evidence or whatever it is. So... (laughs) And that's, people do, or at least they seem to last week anyway, to me, they're more inclined to trust Chris Spielman because, you know, they remember him fondly and things like that. And Chris has been in football his whole life and all the things he said when, you know, we talked to him last week, you know, about understanding and and having the ability to bridge that gap. So maybe it's just a timing thing and this happened at a really bad time. uh, And, you know, he's still sort of in transition from his old job to his new job. Maybe that's part of it. But man, that would have been a really good opportunity for Chris Spielman <laughs> to say, like, this is not acceptable. I, you know, I'm the one who's making this decision with Rod and it's not Daryl's call, but Daryl brought it to our attention and we took care of it because I'm here and this is what we're doing now. Like, that was kind of the thing that was missing, I felt like, when it was all said and done was like, and like you said, I mean, we never heard anything from Chris one way or the other. And it was like, well, are you here? Or are you not? Are you in transition? Maybe you are. And if that's the case, I can understand that. Um, right. So, you know, you don't want to get too too critical on that. But like, that was the thing that I found myself being like, boy, that would really help if you could hear from him, you know, from Spielman say that. And um, it, I think it would have probably smoothed out a lot. Overall. And it just all goes back really to this transparency issue that we keep talking about with this front office and with this organization. And because Chris Spielman might have been, I mean, for yeah. he may have had may a have hand in this. Like, because, And that's the other thing. 
you know, as we go back to just sort of uh, the message, not necessarily getting lost, but getting sort of redirected along the way. When I talked to the, the team source uh, after the firing Monday morning, I was told this was Bevel's decision. He took it to Rod Wood, who signed off on it. Yeah, that was it. That's the end of the line. Bevel said he's got to go. Just give me. I need your permission to to make this kind of move because I'm the interim head coach. Rod Wood said, "Sure, go." Mm-hmm. Bevel said, <laughs> "Yeah, right." This was an organizational decision that he initially brought to Rod Wood with his concerns, told him what he thought should happen. Rod Wood then took it to the leadership group, which, to the best of my knowledge, is Rod Wood, Sheila. I believe Mike Disner's in there, and that yeah. might be Chris Spielman. I mean, yeah. Chris Spielman will be in there. I don't know if he is yet. So, but again, right. so th- at this point, it's possible Chris Spielman was looped in on this, and then they came back and they said we're going to fire him. Mm-hmm. Again, it's semantics. The end goal was the same, but as we're talking about, you know, does this organization know where it's headed and have all its ducks in a row as it gets into a GM and a coaching right. search? It's not. Not it wasn't the mo- right. Yeah. It wasn't the most comforting day for people hoping that they've got everything figured out. And yeah. again, the timing on all this, it happened. You know, the the play happened uh, late in the game Sunday. By Monday at nine a.m., they had decided they were going to fire him. So this thing happened quick. Spielman, as you said, hasn't even been on board for a week yet. So there's a lot going on right now. I can understand if it's not smooth sailing all over the place, but again, it's just, you're kind of waiting to see everything get on the same page here. And when they talk about culture, that's the other thing. Yeah. Whose culture are we talking what about are we here? Talking about? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Is this Bevel's culture or Spielman's or uh Sheila Ford Hamps? Like who right. is directing where this culture is going right now? And I don't think we know that either. Yeah, and that's the thing where it's like you guys can't get on that call on Wednesday or whatever it was of last week and talk to us, Rod Wood and Chris Spielman, about these culture things, you know, that you want to talk about. And then the minute something like this comes up, we hear nothing from either of you. And you're the only people, including, you know, Sheila Ford Hamp, who are, you know, the only long term people here right now in terms of who's going to be here that we know for sure are Sheila Ford Hamp, Rod Wood, and Chris Spielman. Everyone else is like sort of living by a moment here. And they're just, like you said, it's a, it's an audition for Daryl Bevel. Everybody else, same old, same old. So they're just kind of going about their business the way that they normally would. If you want to operate and build a culture, and you're the ones talking about it, you need to be the ones talking about it in public. Like, and that's the, that's the thing. It's like, you just, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't understand. You're an NFL team. What are you hiding? Like, why are you, like, why was that? Why did that have to be off the record anything? yesterday that that was my thing what is going on like you know you have an interim coach <laughs> yes a weird yeah. thing happened you don't need to explain it in the shadows oh my god you are the <laughs> you could have got on a zoom call said this is what happened here here's the deal end of story show some leadership be out front be transparent that's it and, and they're not doing that and that's why people have pause on this whole thing. And that's, you know, that's sort of the, the deal that they're working with. Because, again, yeah, I mean, fans just aren't going to trust you guys. They're not going to trust them. And they're going to see this on its head as you just fired a really young, really up-and-coming coach that everybody seems to be high on. He's probably going to get a job soon. And then in three years, he's probably going to get promoted. And then we're going to have to listen to about how he overcame that ridiculous thing that happened in Detroit. And now he's like a superstar young coordinator. That's where the fans' minds go. 
And they don't do anything to ever put anybody at ease, ever. And they wonder why, you know, the rational fan, I think, is willing to give the Lions the benefit of the doubt on that, but you've got to tell them the truth and you've got to be honest with them. And I think that, and be upfront and be clear. And uh, and that didn't really happen yesterday. And that's uh, disappointing, but, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's not like the long, you know, that's that's why it was right. a weird day. So, right. and again, like the, the decision to fire him, if that's what happened, if that's indeed what happened, then yeah, I mean, you got, you know, what are you supposed to do? You can't just keep going forward if somebody's going to do that. You do it once and then all, like Daryl Bevel said, I mean, if you do something like that once, how's anyone supposed to trust that you're never going to do it again? You know, so like that's, that's just how the job works. So I get that part of it too, but it's complicated for sure. I don't know if we're getting Rod Wood on the podcast at any point. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not, but like that, no one's asking him to go on a podcast. Yeah, like, yeah, you true. can go on a, you can go on a call, you know, and, and, and like, what, what is, you know, like, that's just. Yeah, I, I agree. Know. And again, and I complained to you about this yesterday too, is they announced this at like, not, what, 930? They sent out the tweet. Yeah, right. uh, and then, like I said, I talked to someone from the team a few minutes after that, but then Bevel didn't have his availability till his usual time mm-hmm. at 4.15 or whatever it was. Eight hours later. And Eight no hours. one else talked. It was Eight six, hours. seven yeah. hours of like floating these right. uh buzzwords into the press and then nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> and and meanwhile everyone's sort of looking in like oh they did what now this guy has been right and then, because and then, if, your, and then your punter yeah. gets named right. for the pro bowl <laughs> just to cap off the day and you have people on twitter going out saying boy i really appreciate the way he coached me and everything else and and here we have the organization telling us at the beginning of the week or beginning of the morning that he's a culture problem, people don't like him. And you're like, well, the players, some of the players, a lot of the players, I guess, right, seem to like him. What are you talking about? So, like, that's, you know what I mean? That's the disconnect. And it's like, do you want to build a culture, or did you just decide that you were going to put some fancy words out there and hope people bought it and on with regular business? I'm sorry, but that's how people are going to read these things. You have to understand that better if you're... Rod Wood in the Fords. You just have to. Or you just don't care one way or the other and you're going to go about your business, which is fine. If, you know, you say, hey, let my actions, right? Let, let Judge me by what we do, not what we say. You know what? Fair enough. But I'm not so sure if that's what's going on here. And I guess we won't know really until uh, we sort of see how it all shakes out. Yeah. And it was, you know, Jack Fox, who now a pro bowler, Jason Cabinda, Jamal Agnew, all on, you know, there were mm-hmm. one or two other guys hopped on social media to sort of, uh, thank Coombs or voice their displeasure with the decision. Sure. I mean, in our, in my story that's up now, I have, um, you know, there's quotes in there from, uh, CJ Moore, who ironically was the guy yeah. who tried to get the first mm-hmm. down, but talked about just how, how much Coombs has helped him. Danny Amendola talked about mm-hmm. what a great guy is in the locker room. And like that, if Danny Amendola, if sure. you can't trust Danny Amendola's word uh, on this team, I don't know who you trust. Miles Killebrews talked really highly of him. Like all these guys that uh, are are pretty well respected in there, mm-hmm. and you know maybe maybe uh, off the record or anonymously they're saying different things, but that's a lot of a lot of guys who are playing special teams sort of lining up behind him. And again, that doesn't excuse the what happened or, or what Bevel says happened. You know, yeah, if, no, if that's no. what happened. Of it doesn't matter if you're well liked. I mean, yeah. you did something that you can't do, but just again, it's just uh just one of those things that like it like a 5 and 9 team fires its special teams coach 99% of the time 
you just shrug your shoulders like, all right, move whatever. Yeah, right. Who okay. cares? Yeah, and right. now here not we cares, are doing yeah, this. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not and this, cares, and this has to here. hang. And the, you're right. It's not a who cares. It's notable. But, you know, you keep it moving. It would have been, you know, whatever thing. And everybody would have moved on. But, yeah, I mean, it's just an awkward, just awkward. And I think that maybe part of it, and you give the benefit of the doubt and say part of it was just bad timing. Um, because, sure. you know, Spielman had just gotten here and maybe isn't even fully ready to get going yet. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, maybe Rod Wood picks up that phone on Sunday night and is like, my God, is there anything else that could go horribly <laughs> wrong here before this GD season right. is over? Like, that could have been it, you know? And, and for all we know, maybe it was. But it just felt awkward. And it felt like they were trying to use it as an opportunity to pump a message that, like, guys... You're the only ones who care about this message. Like, I don't know who you're trying to impress. Go win some football games. We don't give a damn about your whatever your buzzwords are about everything else. Like, that is awkward to me. Trying to use this as a way to sort of pump some other narrative that you're trying to build, like, out of nowhere. Uh, could probably deal without that. If you want to talk to us about that sort of thing, Spielman should have talked. That's how it should have gone. End of right. story. Yeah. Yep. Agree. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on to... I don't know if it's a happier topic, but it's a different topic. Uh, <laughs> a different so topic. on Sunday night, I tossed out on Twitter to anyone who felt like answering the question, which players on this Lions roster right now would you consider foundational pieces yeah. for the next general manager coming in? Not so. a lot of names. I didn't get a lot of <laughs> names back. Uh, but I'm, before I get into some of the answers, I'm kind of curious, do you... How long's your list? If I, I guess, first of all, how would you define, or maybe I should define it because yeah, I asked the question, question foundational yeah. pieces. But uh, what do you think of when you hear that? And then who's on your list? I think it's it's basically guys who you know, regardless of scheme, regardless of uh, who the coach is, or you know, sort of where things are going, or if you have to get rid of somebody or whatever. Like these are players that can translate. Uh, and can be at a you know a high level regardless of what you're doing. So offensively, it would be you know like Rag now is obviously you know a guy who's going to work in anything you do. Taylor Decker, I think we could probably put in that category. Hawkinson can probably go there. I, I think Swift is yeah. probably also in that sense. And then I suppose you'll you'll include Galladay, um, but he's also not signed. So there's that. And then it gets a little trickier, right? Where it's like, you know, is Jonah Jackson a foundational piece? I don't know if I would go that far. I think he's a nice young player. But offensively, I would say Ragnow, Swift, Decker, Hawkinson, and I guess maybe Galladay. But that's probably about it. Is Stafford still in there for you? Is like right on the fringe of that, I feel like, sort of. Because it's like he's got the time element. Um and I guess he could probably be considered that, but I think that that's where we'd need to get into the, you know, sort of what does that mean? Because he's not young anymore. And I think that that's the sort of thing to hang on. And then you flip it to the other side and it's like, well, then it becomes more difficult because like is Okuda a foundational piece or is he a guy that you just have to keep because of his, you know, because of the situation? I, I don't know if we can call him a foundational piece yet because he hasn't done enough on the field. And I think you could say that about, basically everyone else on the defensive <laughs> yeah, side. I mean, there's like four or five guys you'd like to be foundational pieces yeah. on defense, but but they're I not yet. So like there's different categories to it, right? So it's like guys that you would hope that you hope become that. So like Okuda, Tracy Walker, I think that you don't you shouldn't close the book on those. Um 
you know, Deshaun Hand would maybe be a subjective, interesting one where you say, you know, what what is he? Where does he fall into a category? Is he not done enough? Has he done enough? You know, is it yeah. time to move on from somebody like that? Do you keep him? I mean, ultimately, it's about who are you going to extend, right? They've already extended Decker. They've already, uh, at least in, they should be extending Galladay. I mean, I would assume they'll extend Ragnow and Hawkinson. And, and then you look at the other side of the ball defensively, and it's like, are there answers to that question? Is there anybody? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of an ambiguous term, uh, and I didn't define it yeah. myself on Twitter because I just sort of was curious to see how people would read it. I mean, for me, I think just sort of generally it's guys that you that you want to build the whole thing around, basically. Right. Like if a GM's looking in here and saying, which, what are the pieces that I know that I can keep and can use as sort of uh, lock them in as starters? I know they're going to be good for a while. I don't right. have to worry about that position. Um, and so I think you named pretty much all of them. I mean, I, the Galladay conversation as we've had is very interesting because mm-hmm. I don't know how a new GM is going to come in and view a guy who played five games right. and, you know, is 27, 28 and wants 15 to $20 million yeah, a right. year. Um, so, but that that's one to throw out there. I mean, I still think personally, I would still consider Stafford in that category, but I understand the argument against putting Stafford in that category um, because of the contract and I guess these trade rumors that are going to keep going forever and ever and, you know, his age and the health right. issues that keep popping up. I mean, there, there are enough reasons to uh, think that you need to add a second foundational quarterback or you know, a foundational quarterback and waiting behind Matthew Stafford. Um, I, defensively, it's, it's really every time we talk about the defense, it just circles back to sort of what a hopeless situation mm-hmm. Bob Quinn left here. And I know Matt Patricia didn't do very well uh, with what he had. And Corey Unlin hasn't done very well. With right. what he had, but this roster defensively is a mess. <laughs> yeah. There are not a lot of guys um, who transition over. The other names that got, I mean, I think I had one or two people mention Trey Flowers, which he's going to be here. Um, you don't have a choice. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I think if he's healthy, you would certainly consider him that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know people have knocked him for the lack of uh, sacks and things like that, but I between his contract and sort of what he can do, as you mentioned, being scheme diverse, like I think he, you could consider him a foundational piece up front, or at least a guy that's going to be in your starting three or four man line if he's mm-hmm. healthy. So that's one. <laughs> and Okuda, yeah. you pray is two. I don't know about Walker anymore. Uh, I mean, I don't either. I don't either. <laughs> I, some of this certainly has been the coaching staff and the scheme. And I think, uh, as I've at least written and probably mentioned on here, like I think if Deron Harmon leaves and you put Walker back at free safety, maybe this looks better next year than it has this year because I think he can play there pretty comfortably. Right. But I don't know. I don't. I mean, Mo- Romeo Okwara. Uh, I had a couple of people mention John Penasini. I mean, I think Julian Okwara is a guy you kind of cross your fingers on, but. Yeah, I think that those guys are in this. They're still in the show me category a little bit. Um, you know, even though Romeo's had such a great year and is going to get a ton of money, um, and you know, I think that we did the math on some of that. I think PFF had him like certainly top ten in terms of pressures, and he was like two behind Khalil Mack when Sunday started. So uh, he's going to get a lot of money from someone, and the Lions' next general manager is going to have to an interesting decision there because this has been what you'd consider to be a breakout year for for him but at the same time 
you know, do we see him blossoming into someone who's going to be a game wrecker or not? Because he's probably going to get that kind of money or something close to it, I would think. And you're going to have to make a decision there. So he's one that you you maybe could convince yourself that, yeah, maybe Romeo is. Maybe he's maybe he's a younger version of, uh, or I don't, is he even younger than Trey? I guess he is. Maybe he's a younger version of uh, Flowers or something like that, right? Where it's like he's a guy who's very steady. Uh, you can count on him. He's dependable. He's a good person. He works hard. Everybody likes him. And he produces. So in that sense, maybe he's trending toward that you know, out of the prove it territory. Whereas somebody like Tracy Walker is now about to enter, you know, a, a critical season here because it's no longer going to be, it's about to be year four. It's no longer going to be, you're this young guy that if they could just get out of the way and help you, then it, no, it's going to be now, are you good or are you not good? Tracy Walker, and that's what we're going to, because his problems this year have not been, schematic problems okay I just don't buy that he's been beaten in man coverage constantly far too often than I think is necessary or that we thought was necessary maybe he didn't jive with the staff or get along with it but they're gone now right so whatever it is moving forward is going to have to be you know the best he's got and you know I think that he's talented enough and I think he's better than what we've seen this year and I don't know if injuries are playing a role or just the weird year or everything else. I mean, he's, this the thing about starting the season in a rotation with Harris was weird and all that. But he's on the other side of that category where it's like, Ken, you know, at one time it was, you know, sort of like a CUDA. You would still pencil him as a guy that you're hoping trends into the territory of he's going to be a foundational piece because we really need him to be. But Walker is a guy that you're hoping turns out that way. But also the clock is now ticking because... You know, you can't have a season like this and, and still stay in that sort of category. And I would think that his spot, like everybody else's for the most part, would need to be evaluated. It just, again, it sort of hammers home what bad shape they were in. It hammers home what, I mean, just the amount of work that needs to be done for the next right. staff. Um, I mean, how many of these guys do you need? I guess that's the other question. You don't, right. you're not going to have 20 foundational pieces. Like if I look at, uh, I just pulled up Green Bay's roster, who, you know, the win mm-hmm. the division. They're maybe going to be the one seed Super Bowl contender. Uh, and I'm looking at like 9, 10, 11 foundational guys. I don't know. There's some guys that are probably yeah. on the fringe of that. Um, so, I mean, I, again, I think it sort of matters what level we're talking about here because they know they have their foundational quarterback. Uh, right. You know, they've got Devontae Adams. They've got a couple guys on the line. More importantly, they have at least three or four foundational guys on defense, which I think is the thing that's missing here. (laughs) And And then I think offensively, the Lions are probably closer to that than people realize, Um, even if, you know, whether or not Stafford is in that category, you know, that's why we kind of talked about on Sunday with the Arthur Smith thing. And I think some people took that as like, are you advocating for Arthur Smith? And not really. I'm not advocating for Arthur Smith, but like the point brings up that, you know, you do have a pretty good start on the offensive line. Swift is a good player. Hawkinson's a good player. Like Galladay, if you pay him, is going to be you know pretty good player. Like those are guys that can that can make make it work in a couple different systems, and you know that's a good thing. But then you flip it over to the other side, and it's just like, oh my god, you know, is there an answer here at all? Is there one? You know, and that's where it's like, is there even is there let alone two? Is there one? And I think defensively, you know, do you need as many? You know, foundational pieces defensively as you do offensively, that's a that's a really good question. I don't know if you do, but I certainly think that you need probably one in each level. 
you probably need somebody in the back end, somebody in the middle, and somebody up front that you can count on. You know, that's going to be part of what you're doing no matter what. And I don't know that they could say that at any level right now. And that's you know, other than maybe Flowers because you know he's a steady guy and he's going to be here anyway. You know that that sort of thing. So, but beyond that, I mean, it's linebacker. No, no, Jamie Collins is not what we would consider to be a foundational piece. He's 30, what, 31, something like that. 30, 31. He's an older guy now. So, and it's been okay this year, but it hasn't been elite. And we've seen that, you know, systems differ. That hasn't always gone well for him in his career. Uh, And then certainly nobody on the back end. So it's, that's where it gets really sort of dire. They need, yeah, three or four more, you know, game changing type players defensively, because right now they just don't have any, at least healthy. Yeah. Right, yeah, and I think I think you're right. I think if you have one at each level, that makes you competitive uh, in the yeah, NFL. But, stay in the fight, but, yeah, exactly. But I don't. I mean, Flowers is Flowers is a very good player, uh, and I, again, I think just by default, it's kind of a foundational guy here. But they don't have really anyone who is just taking over games at, no. at any level on that defense, and I think that that's a big problem too. If I talk about a foundational defensive lineman like I'm thinking like Aaron Donald or Kenny mm-hmm. Clark as I look at the Packers and the guys like that guys who are you just have to scheme around to right. make sure that your offense can still work and the Lions don't really have anyone like that in the front seven they don't have anyone close at the linebacker position um no, and so yeah no, I, I just that's, yeah that's the whole thing offensively they have guys that you have to concern yourself right. with you can't like you can't go into the game into a game against Detroit if everyone's healthy and just not pay attention to Hawkinson, right? Like he's he's become the type of player that you're going to have to – you're not going to have to change your entire game plan necessarily like you would maybe a Kelsey or a Darren Waller or whatever, but like he's a guy that's going to make you, you know, think about some things. Ragnow, Decker, Swift, Galladay, these are guys that, you know, are – Stafford even right now still. You know, these are guys that you're going to have to sort of defend around. What we've seen defensively this year – on the flip side is teams coming in and basically doing like, we're just going to do whatever we want to do because you have nothing that scares us or even remotely intimidates us on this side of the ball. And that's what we've seen all year. We've seen, we've really seen it for three, I guess overall. And that's, or at least two. And that's sort of where they're at. I did want to touch on Arthur Smith real quick too, just because you wrote about it um, in our observations. Uh, I mean, do you have any, is this stuff really moving the ball forward? I guess is is the question. Like, is Arthur Smith putting on a show, play calling yeah. wise, against the Lions? Because I'm assuming you know the owner, the president, Spielman, like all these people are watching that game. Like, mm-hmm. do you think that that is a tiebreaker when you hold up Smith against some of these other guys? How much impact could a game like that actually have? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question because I think that like we, we sort of talked about it on Sunday. Um, I got to think that. Chris Spielman is a fan of, uh, of yeah, how that yeah, offense operates, sure. right? <laughs> um, and, you know, when we talk about how that they're closer to that because they were kind of trying to get there anyway with Patricia and uh, Bob Quinn, that was sort of, it seemed like, what they were trying to build toward. Um, that if you want to sort of go all in on that sort of style and maybe find, you certainly need to find a hammer of a running back because you need one more, you know, sort of behemoth to go with Swift in that case um, to make that offense really sort of sing. You could, you could probably do that. However, you know we can't say that and say at the same time like Smith's dealing with a team that has more on the offensive line, even though they were a little dinged up um, in terms of 
what we've what we would call you know dependability or whatever. Although not far behind, I think the Titans were fourth in rushing the uh, rushing efficiency to, per PFF's numbers. Lions were tenth. I think that charts out with most uh, analytics this year. Uh, the Lions have graded out pretty well as run blockers, despite some shuffling. So you're closer to that, uh, but at the same time, you could, like we just said, I mean, all the guys that we talked about there could fit in any scheme you want to run. You don't have to hire Arthur Smith because he's running this this scheme. The question I would have about a guy like that is, you know, he's been in Tennessee for since 2011. Um, he's been there through three coaches now. Uh, he's always been a run, you know, run game guy. I think overall, I think he's a former offensive lineman who Mike Munchak brought him there and. Um, or at least maybe a tight end or something, whatever. He's he's a run game guy. Uh, that that piece kind of intrigues me because I think you can you can build a unique offense. You still need a quarterback that makes it all sort of tie together and work. I don't know if Stafford would be that, but you can build a unique offense around a run game and a great offensive line. You can do that in, in 2020. Maybe that's something that you know someone like that could help you with. Um, but I don't think it should just be. The answer, because well, we have a couple guys on this team already that could fit in that. So let's just do that and see what happens. I, I don't know. You know, that's a tough one for me. The Titans are in a completely different place than the Lions are right now, too. You know, they have a defense that competes. Lions don't. So that might make things look a little easier offensively. <laughs> you know, right. so yeah. that's part of it as well. Um, he's an interesting candidate, one that maybe is worth a, a look. But I don't know if I would advocate necessarily for it um in that game you know the results in that game just sort of are what they are i mean the lions are just pretty not very good right now especially with the health situation so so that sort of is what it is but you got a two-year sample size they've they've been uh, humming along pretty good here since he took over uh, at the start of last season so it's not nothing well i think that's one of the challenges too is but you know you're talking about a guy who hasn't been a head coach of the nfl before so you got to try and tr- figure out how that style translates up to that position you know is he still going to call the plays on offense if he's yeah. your if he's your head coach is he going to use the exact same same scheme and you're also looking at you know a lot of these just going through our our list of kind of coaching candidates and uh you know is arthur smith going to be as successful without derrick henry is right. eric Bieniemy going to be or as Tannehill, successful without yeah. right. patrick mahomes mm-hmm. like does does Brian Dable still work without Josh Allen? Like all these things that you've got to try to figure out. Um, not just this looks great in Tennessee, but does this work as an overall game plan for a team? Like, does this make sense for what we want to try to build here? Uh, and so I do think that the, there are certainly some challenges, and it's tough to imagine that offense without Derrick Henry because he's going to rush for 1,900 yards this year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's not something you just right. sort of plug and play with whoever you find that's not uh, you're not getting you know finding Bo Scarborough in uh, free agency in October and getting 1500 yards out of him so um, but I don't know I mean it is sort of interesting to watch that offense too because I think uh, as you said I think you can win that, that that's a team that in sort of like the neutral game mm-hmm. uh, moments you know when it's first and second down and it's a close yeah. game and all those things runs more than any team in They're football. They're impossible to defend. They're impossible <laughs> and to defend. It's, uh, and it's sort of counter to where the game's been going for the last five to ten years at least. You know, it's everyone wants to sort of open it up and have these super athletic quarterbacks and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, spread the field. And Tannehill certainly is an athletic guy, but, you know, they use him differently than Arizona uses Kyler Murray. Um and so it is interesting because, and especially because that is, like you said, 
Matt Patricia was trying to get there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> All the way. Like, he has to watch, like, that Tennessee playoff run last year oh. where they won a game and ran yeah. it, like, and they threw, like, what, Seven threw, times like, or six whatever. times yeah, in the right. one game. Yeah, right. That it was the dream. That was yeah. what they wanted to be. Uh, so I, I'm kind of curious how that plays out, too. You know, does that does a style like Arthur Smith trend too close to what you were trying to do offensively, or is that a bonus? And I don't know those que- those answers yeah. to those questions either. I think it would a lot of it would depend on whether or not you want to start over a quarterback, whether or not you want to start all the way, all the way over, um, take your chances somewhere else. What you, you know, what's your preference, you know, with the GM and everything else. But no, yeah, I mean that offense can work. I mean, I think that their their offensive line is close to being able to do that. I mean, the thing that you, the things that you need there are. You know, a run game that's going to be really difficult to stop uh, at the point of attack. Like Undlin talked about this a little bit yesterday, and it was he explained it really well uh, for the reasons why they couldn't stop it or anybody else or a lot of other teams have had problems with it as well. Uh, but it's this, you know, situation where you can't wait on a guy like Derrick Henry or sort of a power back that sort of comes up. And what play action does is force you to wait. So you're sort of like stuck. And you're in the middle of this, you know, nowhere to go, nowhere, you know, we don't know what to do. And you end up getting, you know, sort of stiff-armed into the ground and or play-actioned into, like, oblivion. And that's where, that's the concept of it. But in order to run that, you have to have dudes up front and you have to have a badass, not only in Derrick Henry, but also your quarterback has to, look, Tannehill's the best play-action quarterback in the league. He's amazing. And, yeah, and that's, that's why right. that that's that's fifty percent of the reason why that offense works. Stafford's good at that, you know. I would argue in the upper echelon, maybe not quite as good as uh, Tannehill, at least right in the in the moment. But he's you're not going to find too many better than him. So in that sense, you're that's what you know. Sort of what we were saying when we wrote that, like they're close, closer than you think to probably being able to impose their will on defenses like that but not quite there. And do you want to go all in on that? Or do you want to maybe try something else? I don't know. That's the, or also could Arthur Smith run other things? I don't know. He could, I don't know. I don't know what all, you know, he's only been doing this for two years and they have what they have. So you're running to your strengths. I don't know if that necessarily means this is his system, hell or high water. True. Uh, There could be other things that he could do as well. So, you know, you never know with a guy like that. All right. Well, uh, we've got some more time to talk about that. Like we usually do uh, as we're recording here, the Lions just announced that they've closed their facility for two positive COVID tests. So never a dull moment with this organization. Uh, We'll see what that means. I mean, that uh, certainly throws their game Saturday afternoon into a little bit of uh, flux potentially against the Bucks. Um, Anyway, we got two games left of the season. Uh, presumably, the Lions and Bucks will play at some point, and we will be back to uh, sort of break that down, set up the end of this thing, and, and kind of maybe glance ahead even more than we already have to what this offseason uh, holds yeah. and what this is going to look like and a lot of these decisions that need to be made because I think this is going to be a no matter what happens, there is a lot that needs to happen. Yeah, and there's, there's a lot that's going to be going on in these next, you know, two to three months uh this is a big time for the organization and uh, some huge decisions to make on the personnel the right. side of things and in the front office and everything so uh we will get into all that again you can find the show on uh google play spotify apple podcast bunch of other spots where you listen to podcasts let us know if we're not showing up somewhere we'll try to get in there uh thanks to everyone who has listened and rated and reviewed us so far um Uh, happy holidays to everyone stay safe out there um 
Try to enjoy it. Yeah. You <laughs> Hope can. you get some time to uh, be with family as much as is possible right now. So, uh, yeah, try to relax and stay safe and everything. And we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening.